Hey man, well good evening. Um, here in the house and out there watching on video. Uh, just welcome to our Wednesday midweek service. Uh, we're actually going to continue, excuse me. We're actually going to continue on the lines of talking about uh, connections. And uh, <laughs> we're going to continue on the lines of talking about connections. All right, so let's, uh, uh, last week we spent some time just, uh, just talking about uh, how you have to sharpen your discernment. I mean, that's what we alluded to. We didn't say those specific words, but we might have. Uh, but we just talked about how, you know, to, to, to recognize proper connections, you know, I mean, yes, there's a small world and a big God, and it's amazing how things play itself out and how you run across this person that happens to be the connection to this person, who's the connection to that person, who's the connection to this, who's the connection, so on and so forth. But sometimes we're running across connections, but we're so in our own protective custody, like we don't recognize it. You know what I'm saying? Like we don't discern it. We don't pick up the reality of what God is trying to do. You know, because uh, uh, sometimes we're dull in our spiritual sense of picking things up. And, and that happens because the world tries to, in everything that we uh, participate, it's all trying to smother our, 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 our ability to pick up uh, connections or God's frequency. Uh, got a message coming up. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be either sound effect or, or uh, soul sounds, but we're going to talk about sound. And we'll talk about the reality of frequency that we take for granted, like how frequency even moves our, like we're 80% water. And if you run your water at the house and you play, and you play music, that water will start to move because sound moves water. And so that's why we're so moved by music. That's why sometimes we're so clouded by music. They ever say, look, Lucifer, his number one job was music. So his job is to uh, feed us the, the, the music, of course, make it sound good enough when we open our hearts up to it, and he moves and manipulates our lives because what? We're 80% water. But that's another teaching. We won't get into that right now, but, but I, I mentioned it to say, you know, if we, don't, if we don't sharpen our discernment, if we don't clear our receptors, we can miss out on valuable connections. We could be right where we need to be and lose sight of that. You know, sometimes we, we only make moves from a box. We stay in a, a certain box that we call a comfort zone, and that box sometimes limits us from getting our fulfillment. So we say, I can only be fulfilled from this square. I can only be fulfilled from this space. And the whole time, if you pick up frequency, frequency moves you in position and in a place where you can actually experience the fulfillment of God. A lot of times we're saying, God, why you're not moving? God's saying, why aren't you moving? <laughs> God says, I'm right in, I'm right in position. Like, like I'm, I'm out ahead of you. So if you keep on moving, you'll fall right in place with what I purpose and plan. With that in mind, I want us to look at, uh, as we're talking about connections, small world, big God, I want us to look at Isaiah 6, 61. Because remember we talked about sometimes you're entertaining angels unawares, as the scripture says in Hebrews, 
And sometimes the people that are around you are God's ministering angels to impact your life. And we can run from them, blow them off. We can sometimes be irreverent, dis- uh, be disrespectful, unappreciative, and not value um, what God is trying to do in our lives. All because sometimes we can get, you know, prideful. You know, we think the only way we can be fulfilled is if we do it. The only thing that makes us special is if we're shiny. We don't think appreciating God's resources or God's people ministering to us has value to it. But let's look here at Isaiah 61. Because we have some, some people operating right now in the midst of this, this world that are God's ministering angels giving their life, sacrificing their lives, um, uh, setting themselves apart to hear from God to make sure you can get what you need, to hear that frequency of healing for you. Um, you know, but sometimes we blow it off. Like, you know, the person uh, really encouraged us to receive our healing, but we just blow that off, right? But look here. This is why these people operate so selflessly. Verse 7. It says, for your shame you shall, you shall have double." And for confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess the double, right? It says, everlasting joy shall be unto them. It says, for I, the Lord, love judgment. I hate robbery for burnt burnt offering. It says, I will direct their work in truth, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. And I'll just read verse 9. And their seed shall be known among the Gentiles and their offspring among the people. And all that see them shall acknowledge them that they are the seed which the Lord has blessed. Now, I, I brought this scripture up because, again, a lot of times some of us are looking for connections, but some of us are the connection. And what happens is sometimes you can think you're being taken for granted or or you have no value, but the scripture says you receive double for your same. And, and what it's saying is you receive double for their lack of appreciating your gifting when God reveals you. When God really reveals you, there would be a whole lot of people saying, man, while I was right there, I could have really valued and appreciated them. I took them for granted, right? I, t- I took for granted a valuable connection. Now, this is not all spiritual, but I always think about this when I think about this topic, the movie, The Temptations, when the guy left the group, and then they was on the Ed Sullivan show, where he was in a bar. <laughs> you know, I was like, I'm, I was on the team, you know, but I took them for granted. You know, I had a connection. I took them for granted. Now they done blown up, and I'm out here getting drunk, right? And then the scripture also says in Romans 8.18, Romans 8.18, It says this, the sufferings of, of this present time aren't worthy to be revealed, aren't worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in you. We can just look at it real quick. I think I misquoted it. Romans 8. One of my favorite scriptures. And one of my favorite chapters. It says, for I reckon, verse 18, it says, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. 
So this glory that God wants to show on our lives sometimes is yet to be revealed. But when they realize what you and God have already known, a whole lot of people are going to say, wow, I was around a valuable connection, but I took it for granted. See, see you have to discern. You know, uh, uh, we were having a conversation uh, with a, a couple, and, the, and the, one person was like, the other person is attracted to, you know, things that, that, that may be obvious. I don't want to say specific, but things that may be obvious, things that look brilliant, right? But a discerner is not just looking for what's brilliant or what, what's loud or what seems like it has accolades and props. That discerner is looking for godly, divine connection. And you have to sharpen your discernment, discernment because there's wolves in sheep's clothing, right? I remember uh, Satan disguises himself what? as an angel of light. So you have to sharpen your discernment. And this is what's so tough. We live a life where we just blow off what we need to have sharp discernment. You know, not all of us, but a lot of people just, you know, you're casual with life, even though the Bible says walk circumspectly and uh, redeem the time. We could be so casual, like, we can take in uh, poisons and intoxications and things like that, not knowing it's uh, messing up our frequency to pick up valuable connections. What are you thirsty for? No, you're not thirsty for a drink. You're not thirsty for a joint. You're not thirsty for all that lust. What you're thirsty for is fulfillment. And God has valuable connections to make sure your life is fulfilled. All right, let's go here to Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10. We're talking about connections. Um, and once again... Small world, big God. And we'll hit verse twenty four. We're going to focus on verse 25, and I'm going to start verse 24. Look at this. It says, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to do good works. So, so again, we're mindful of, of, of our audience. Let's consider one another, challenge each other, provoke each other unto love and to do good works. All right? Didn't I say? Hebrews 10, 24. <laughs> All right. And so, so, again, you know how we, so, so, so when I'm considering somebody, I'm not just blowing by people. I'm looking deep into the heart of that person to bring life to them, right? And so the, the tough part is uh, we can live unintentionally an inconsiderate life, you know, where we're not really mindful of who's around us. Sometimes we're so busy thinking about what we can get, we don't realize what we can give, right? And so this is saying, let us consider one another provoke, to provoke unto love, that's selflessness, and good works. 
Now, now this doesn't line up with how we live. We live, hey, just leave me alone. Uh, you know, let me go at my pace. Uh, stay out of my business. But according to this, if I care, I should be challenging you to rise above your comfort zone, right? That's, and then verse 25. It says, now we're doing this, and how we're doing this, it says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more. So it's saying, I'm constantly in, uh, around my connections encouraging, exhorting, challenging uh, the people that I love to operate in a level of love, selflessness. That means, you know, the thing, the number one attribute of love is giving. So I give away my gifts. I offer my time. I'm, I'm benevolent in how I move, right? And not only that, just good works to challenging each other to operate in good works, to take that fruit and not eat it ourselves, but to let others partake of it, right? We always say, right, apple trees don't eat their own apples, right? Well, if you look at some of us who's been considered trees planted by the rivers of water, we've been eating our own fruit, you know, as opposed to letting others partake of it. All right, so this is saying don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Now, it's kind of hard to assemble if you don't find your connection. And so the scripture says what you're trying to do is trying to find your place where you can plant yourself. You're trying to find your place where you can plant yourself, you know, again, to kind of grow through some things. Uh, I'm working on some things for, for this book, but I'm also working on things for the men. Um, just, uh, you know, just, you know, the, the man as a builder. You know, you know, men build, boys break. You know, and, and if you watch, you know, if you find yourself um, just constantly destructive and destroying stuff, you just haven't matured. Because the goal is to constantly build. I mean, um, you, you ever see a solid, virtuous woman of God with a garden? You ever see anything in a garden that ain't growing, flourishing and producing fruit? And it doesn't happen overnight. They got different things. They got cucumbers going. They got the carrots going. They got all types of stuff. But they're, they're you know, my aunts, uh, that was her thing for years. She's always, always had a garden. And they, they were masterful in what they did. They had to take the time to make sure they, they cared for the soil so everything can flourish right. Make sure it got the proper nutrients so it can grow. Make sure it was in the right place so it wouldn't have too much light and burn it up. Right? You know what I'm saying? Or have too much shade, not have any light to grow. Right? A lot of patience. So when you find, when you find a solid woman of God, they're patient and everything is flourishing around them. Right? When you find a solid woman of God, they're so patient and everything is flourishing around them. But if you notice, if, if, if you don't find somebody solid, they're not patient and everything's dying around. Right? Because they don't have time to care for what they're supposed to be nurturing. So, so again, it, so similar, you got men build, boys break. Right? But women grow and flourish things. Little girls destroy things. Right? Because in both sides, they don't have patience. 
to care for nothing for themselves, right? Right, you know, that, that's the child with a puppy that never eats. You know, runs out to the street, gets hit by a car, right? <laughs> sorry about that. Messed up somebody's puppy. I'm sorry. I'll take that back. Right? I'm sorry if, if, if your puppy just ran out of the street this week. All right, so uh, my, my mind just be going. All right, so, so we're talking about finding your place of planting, right? Finding your connection, right? And so Psalm 92, 13, it says, They that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They that be planted in the house shall flourish in the courts. So again, I have to find a place. Now, this ain't real, so I'm just going to use this as an example. But if this was real, which is not, <laughs> right, for this to flourish, it would have to be rooted. And one of the things, one of the things I know I'm from the Brick City uh, in North New Jersey, so and I ain't spent a whole lot of time with agriculture, but, but I, le- I did learn some things. And, and, and what I learned is that, that because I was a housing inspector, and as a house, uh, housing inspector, code enforcement officer, I would go to these houses and the people would say, well, my plumbing's jacked up, the landlord won't take care of it. And what it was is you would, you would have a, this huge tree in front of the house. People that grew up in Newark put these little trees, we did it when we was young, put this little tree in front of your house, you got this sidewalk, and then tree grows up to be some huge oak tree or something, right? Well, those trees have roots. And if you go into certain neighborhoods in Newark, you'll find the, the slabs of cement are, are, are crooked, or they're like this. Because you know, we used to use them for ramps with our bikes, you know what I'm saying? We'd ride through, we'd just jump, you know, we kids, we don't realize that's not normal. Well, why is, why, how did this cement that was even start to rise? Tree roots. The tree roots were so strong, they were breaking through the cement and not only that, they traveled looking for water, smelled the water in the pipes, broke the pipes, and messed up people's sewage. So the, so the tree roots were what? They were looking for a, a source of water where they can constantly grow and flourish. And they broke everything in their way. So when you find a place where you're planted and your roots grow, you're unstoppable. Those trees went through storms, electrical storms. Uh, drunk people hitting them, <laughs> and they're still, the tree is still there standing. Guys driving 90 miles an hour on the tree is like, please. Something's got to be, something's going to give, but it won't be me. Why? Because that tree is rooted. If that tree wasn't rooted, the car would hit it and the tree would fall over. But most of the time, you see what? The car wrapped around the tree. Why? Because it's rooted, it's planted. And this is the thing, and it took years. We planted a tree on 139 Goldsmith Avenue when I was, I had to be no more than seven or eight. It's a little, it was a little tree. I went back to that house. That tree is shadowing that whole house. It's huge. It's covering up, like it used to be like we could see the sky. You can't see nothing. That tree is covering everything. I'm, I'm, I'm 59 now. I'll be 60 here in a couple weeks. But I'm 59 now. Fifty years later, that tree is still standing. Sidewalks and everything done flipped, but that tree is still standing. And this is the thing. We have to, de- we have to decide, find a place where we can be rooted. Find our, our, our right connections. The reason why we're out here thirsty is because 
we can't find our water, so, water source, right? Our place is going to quench our thirst. Let's go here to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. All right, we're talking about connections, small world, big God. And we talked last week about sharpening our discernment so we can recognize divine connections around us. You know, because there are wolves in sheep's clothing, right? And Satan disguises himself as an angel of light, was what the Bible says, right? So, and why we're sharpening our discernment? Because we're really, Satan is, is going to and fro. First Peter says, he's going to and fro seeking whom he may devour. We're traveling to and fro trying to find our divine connections so we can flourish because we're supposed to be like trees planted by the rivers of water bringing forth our fruit in our season, right? Psalm 1, uh, one through 3. And then here at Ephesians 4, verse 16. It says this, well, we're going to read 16, but let's read uh, 15 also. Well, let's read 14 also. <laughs> let's read the whole chapter. I'm playing. Yeah. <laughs> I was playing. <laughs> All right, let's start at 14. It says, that we henceforth be no more children, right, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. See, so that, that's not a planted tree. That tree is constantly uprooted every time a strong wind of doctrine, something else new, some new religion, some this, that, and the other, they're constantly pulled around. Verse 15, it says, look, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So I need a constant, uh, my, my water source or my nourishment is truth, not deception, not lies. The Bible says truth is how I'm free anyway. So I need to be around truth. So I have to find divine connections so I can receive truth. The truth is how I'm going to grow. See, I'm not stuck because I'm, I'm incompetent or I'm an idiot or I'm not gifted. I'm stuck because I need truth to free all that stuff. Right? Lies smother gifts. The truth frees gifts. So I want to be around truth, but we live in a society that trains us to run from truth, to live in diversions and deceptions and dishonesty, right? To live in an illusion and not reality, right? But the Bible says you shall know the truth, be intimate with the truth, and the truth is what makes, makes you free, sets you free, right? Uh, John 8.32. Well, well, how does the truth set you free? The truth is final reality. The more truth you get, the more you grow in truth. You don't just stay stuck as a caterpillar, you evolve into being a butterfly, right? And in verse 16 is what we're going to focus on today. It says, for whom the whole body, right, whole body, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So now, as we fitly join ourselves, we can only get greater and greater and greater. We can only, the scripture says, uh, Romans 12, a little audible real quick. So for the people online, that's not going to be at the bottom of the screen because I don't think I added it. All right, let's go to Romans 12. And 
verse 4. Romans 12, 4. This is uh, from our discipleship training class, uh, the, um, which one? Survival kit, right? So we talk about the indwelling Christ. We have a hand. Talk about the indwelling Christ. That's the middle. The thumb represents one body, right? The, the, the index finger represents two natures, right? You have an old and a new nature. Uh, the middle finger represents, uh, there you go, three aspects of salvation. You give me a little, little you help me out here, all right? The salvation past, salvation present, salvation future. Christ died for all of them. Four is four sources of authority. So you have intellect, you have tradition, right? And you have experience. Those are inadequate sources of authority. You can't live your life by those. The, the true source of authority is God's word, right? Then you have the five and five principle, five people you're praying for that really want to grow, but it's hard for them to grow in the kingdom, and five people you're praying for that's really trying to reject it, right? But you're interceding for them too. But we're focusing on that thumb, one body, right? One body in Christ. So look here, verse 4, uh, Romans 12, verse 4 says, For as, as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, don't have the same responsibility. So we being many are one body, in, one body in Christ and every one member one of another. So as many of us and we have different members in the same body. I want to read 1 Corinthians 12 because I think that connects with what we just finished reading. Uh, let's see, 1 Corinthians 12. First uh, Corinthians 12, 12. First Corinthians 12, 12. I'll try to slow down a little bit. Just, <laughs> they told me in, in Bible school I'm going to go too fast, so I'll try to slow down. All right, everybody here? I slow down. <laughs> All right, so we was in Romans, Corinthians is right after. All right, so 1 Corinthians 12, 12. And if I go too fast, it's on video, all right? All right, so verse 12, it says, For as the body is one and has many members, and all members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ, right? It says, it says uh, let's go down here. I'm going to skip a little bit. Verse 14. It says, For the body is not one member but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would the smelling? Uh, but it says, but now has God set the members, every one of them in the body as it pleased him. So just like God gave me this physical body and he, he, uh, he designed it, fearfully and wonderfully made it, Psalms uh, 139, 14. He, he took special care to make sure Keith wasn't going to be like Irv. Keith wasn't going to be like Yvette. Keith wasn't going to be like Diane. Like, he said, okay, he's almost exactly like his brother. Let me add this. You know, so I couldn't compare myself with nobody. He gave me a set of fingerprints nobody else has. He fearfully, wonderfully quit me with a way of looking at things that nobody else looks at, right? To make sure I can only compare myself to him and his design of me, 
right? Right? Not looking to the left and looking to the right. So God took special care in, in designing his body, but then he gave me certain hands. He gave me certain height. You know, I was pursuing professional basketball, basketball for a long time, so I, I used to say, man, if I was 6'6", six, six, he's like, you 6'6". Six, six. If I was 6'6", six, six, I'd do a lot more with your 6'6 six, six than you're doing, right? But I had to get to a place where I understood God designed me this size for a reason, you know, this height for a reason, this stature for a reason, this big lip for a reason. And she, she, uh, uh, my cousin Karen just found a, my high school picture, and it's, the lip was even bigger back then, you know, <laughs> and compared to the head, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's the first thing I noticed. I was like, yeah, that's that, that's that lip. <laughs> can't, can't miss it, right? The Bradley lip, right? But, but I had to get to a place where I had to be okay with the lip, had to be okay with the look, had to be okay with how I thought. Just be comfortable with Keith's design. Right? Now, I didn't ask for the hands. Now, now I have a 71-inch reach. I know that from going to camps. Um, so, so I have longer arms than my size. So it would help me with basketball, <laughs> you know. Uh, but God made 71-inch reach. I didn't go, hold on, hold on. 71, I think I wanted, I didn't negotiate n- no part of this body. My feet. You know, size 10 and a half, 11. Didn't negotiate that. Not, not a thing. Legs, eye color. Now, I see these days you guys are doing some negotiation to your eye color and some other features, but <laughs> realize no matter how much you add on, nothing you add on is alive, so it doesn't grow when your body grows. So just, just keep in mind, if, if you start the process, you're going to have to keep doing it because your body's going to keep changing. <laughs> People don't realize that, you know what I'm saying? So it's only temporary if you added on something dead and fake, all right? So don't get mad. Don't get mad because you just added some hips, right? So, but what, I'm, <laughs> but what I had to realize, I had to be okay with, with, with my design. Now, why did I say that? The scripture says God set the members in the body as it pleases him, not just our physical body in the body of Christ. God set it up for us to be in particular places as a part of a particular body to flourish and grow. And I say this all the time, believe it or not, I'm from New Jersey and it's called the Garden State. Now, us from Brick City probably never even, that doesn't line up, you know, doesn't look like a flourishing garden, but you go different places in New Jersey. There's, I'm sure there's wonderful flowers or whatever, I, I don't know. Uh, but it's called a garden state for a reason, obviously. But guess what? Palm trees don't grow in New Jersey. Nothing wrong with New Jersey. That's not the climate for a palm tree to flourish. And we have to realize we're like palm trees. We have to be in a proper climate spiritually to flourish. You can't flourish anywhere. And you can't, you have to be planted. You can't, like, you can't be a plant that shows up. Don't dig your roots in. You just sitting around, and then you get up and you go. Then you go somewhere else. Don't dig your roots in. You get up and you go. You know, for a, for a period of time, you know they do that with roses, right? You can just carry the roses around from place to place for a while, can't you? But eventually, they're gonna do what? Die, because they're not rooted. You have to find a place where you're rooted. You have to find your connection. Even in your life, 
you know, a lot of our struggle is we're not tuning with God, so we miss connection. So we get into certain relationships that uh, that end up that end up destructive because, and don't take this personal. Don't get mad, right? Well, you get you get mad. I mean, I, I can't tell you not to get mad, but it won't help. All right. So this is a reality. Reality is, if you're in the right relationship, it will bring out the treasures in you. You're in the wrong relationship, it will bring out the trash in you. Don't, hey, don't, don't get mad. If you got trash all around your house, don't get mad. Uh, I'm not talking about physical trash. I know what I'm talking about, right? And so, uh, and I learned, I, you know, I, I learned this a, a long time ago. The Lord showed me because uh, not putting a person down, but I was in the wrong relationship. So it brought out the trash in me. I did some things I, I, I thought I would never do. Um, nothing I'm proud of. But again, that's the measure. It's not personal. It's not the, the, there's nothing wrong with the person. They weren't supposed to be with me. I wasn't supposed to be with them. Right? All we was going to produce is trash. <laughs> See, y'all, See y'all, y'all, y'all not being fair to me, man. I'm just, I'm just trying to tell you. You know, then I, I met my lovely wife. You know, it's... Uh, <laughs> Stop. I'm trying to preach here, right? So I met my lovely wife. Let's see, um, August 21st will be 29 years of marriage, and October 18th will be 30 years that we've known each other because we married 10 months after we met. And so uh, <laughs> it's, 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 treasures brought out treasures. <laughs> Thank God I got the right person. You still think about the trash, ain't you? Like, <laughs> you ain't going to let the trash go, are you? <laughs> Um, and so, so, so when you find your fit, even in the kingdom of God, if you're in the right church, it'll bring out the treasures in you. You'll flourish. If you're in the wrong church, it's going to bring out the trash in you. You'll find yourself sowing discord, gossiping. You'll find yourself doing things that's counterproductive to your life. You'll find yourself thirsty and, 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 drink, and drinking of the things of the world. Why? Because you're, you're again, nothing against the person. I'm not, I'm not dogging our people or church. What I'm saying is we're responsible in our walk with God to clear our vision, to clear our hearts so we can find divine connection. Who wants to waste time, right, in, in craziness? You don't even have to do all that. And sometimes we settle for because we can't see beyond the circumstance. You know, don't take this personal. But we kind of roll like somebody like me. I'm just going to roll with that. You're more valuable than just taking anybody that like you. You want to be connected to your divine connection so you be fulfilled. Right? Does that make sense? All right. So, so when you're fitly joined, it's easy to give your gifts like in that environment because you're not thinking you're going to lose nothing. You ever been in a jacked up relationship and you holding back everything because you're like, just in case this person going to play me? So, <laughs> I don't know why I'm talking about this. All right, so, <laughs> so, so, so when we first got together, we first got together because I was in all these other relationships. Like I was giving her stuff and giving her stuff. Then one day, she's minding her own business. I know I told the story before, but I was like, I got to back up. You know, I don't want her to think. You know, it's always going to be like that. She ain't going to just take advantage of me. 
Now, she ain't even there. I'm in my own little world by myself, like, hold on a second, you know, because I ain't the one. <laughs> She's not even in this conversation. She's not even thinking this, right? And God checked me. He was like, so how can the person that you're as one with take advantage of you? Take advantage of you. That's like you taking advantage of yourself. Like, what are you doing? Like, he says, if that's if that's your wife, don't you want to give her everything? Like, is there a limit? <laughs> is she getting over? <laughs> it's your wife, you know. So I had to, I had to shift some things. Thank God I did. Right? Huh? Amen. <laughs> All right. So 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 let's go here to Luke fourteen. I, I'm sorry, I, was, I made that point for a reason. It's the same thing when you start a relationship with, uh, with the body of Christ. You come to God, he sends you to a house. Make sure you're discerning where you're supposed to be because you're supposed to give all of yourself to that environment. See, 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 just like in a relationship, if I hold back 30% because just in case Pastor Mel trip, I'm going I'm to replant the 30 and build back up my 100 <laughs> Well, the 30% is probably what's costing the relationship. Because she's thinking something's missing, she don't know what it is. If she's holding back 30%, then I'm going, something's missing. So we both of what? You give your 30, I get. We don't know we holding the 30, we just know you give all your stuff, I give all myself. No, 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 you give all yourself, you give all yourself. No, no, you give all yourself. What are we doing? Right? If I'm discerning, I don't need to go through all that. My measure is not if she gives all of herself, my measure is God saying that's my wife. So I'm giving all myself to it. When God, took, when I came to the kingdom, when I started to find the places I'm supposed to worship, God said, this is where you're supposed to be. So I gave all myself to it. That's why we was at, I was at, we was at the last church for 18 years. Because we gave all of ourselves to it. Right? And, and that's, the, that's the thing. We're, miss, we're missing all of God because we're holding back a lot of ourselves. Because we're operating in fear. But if we, if we sharpen our discernment, we'll, 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 see, we'll recognize divine connections. A divine connection, you, you have a sense of peace. First of all, everybody here knows when somebody's telling them the truth. For some reason. There's something in us. Like, hold on, man. That, that, that person's telling me the truth. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just know. Right? But you also have a peace when you, when you have a divine connection. And it, it hits you like nothing else hits you. So when I met Pastor Mel, of course, you know, we talked about the shock that went through our arm at the altar. But everything in me was like, God had told me that was my wife, but I could have, you know, I could have did like we do. Was that God or was that me? You know, you know how we do second guess. Nah, that probably wasn't God, you know. Because I ain't never, I engaged her in five months and married her in ten. I lived with somebody for six years and, and didn't do that. You said, but I, when you know, you know, and that's what you're playing off of. You're trying to, I had spent so much time with the word. I just, I, I knew everything. That was my wife. And, and we told you the story. She, you know, she went back together with uh, Nick. Oh, I wasn't supposed to say Nick on public. Sorry about that, Nick. I was supposed to say that guy. Too late. I already said your name. But, but God told me that was my wife. And I wasn't disrespectful to Nick, was I? You know, I was very cordial. I didn't make no sense why she'd be inviting both of us to, uh, to these particular events. But anyway, um, Ms. Lamar said you was a player. <laughs> right. 
It didn't make any sense. Uh, but, but I said, hey, you know, I had a piece. That's my wife. Leave my hands off of it. I don't have to orchestrate it. I don't have to hustle. I don't have to do nothing. Got to reveal to her that I'm the divine connection. And thank God he did. What she was thinking all that time, making me suffer. But anyway, she came around, you know, this frequency kicked in, the signal got in, you know, <laughs> I just took it, right? And so, so, so I think, I think, not I think, I know we're missing out on connections because we're not clear on our frequency. You know, and, we're, and, and God, is, God, God is so frustrated at times. I'm, I'm saying just the, 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 obviously, you know, God is not a frust- frustrated. I'm saying that for a fact. God is patient, you know. But I'm saying, but I can see him going, man, like you just missed the connection. You know how you watch the movie Serendipity and stuff like that, and ah, oh, man, man, they should have, they could have met that day. You know how you just, ah. Oh. Yeah, that's one of my favorite movies. I know that's probably not cool, but I like Serendipity and You Got Mail. Those my, those, those, that's my groove. Might not be, it might not be cool, but, but I like connection. That's why I like the movies. I like when there's divine appointments, when, when there's supernatural things happen that you can't say, you can only say God did it, right? And so I love when people recognize connections. So that's why we work hard for people to clear their signal so they can find their connections so they don't have to live this fearful life of, I don't trust nobody. Well, you know, along that package of the people you're not trusting are divine connections because you're not basing it on a case-by-case situation, you have a universal focus. You don't put the lenses on, nobody's coming in. But guess who's, so you're protecting yourself from hurt. But you're also blocking out help. And you don't, you don't miss the help, why? Because you, you haven't t- tasted it, you haven't touched it. It's on the outside of your protective custody. Now, you might say, well, I'm not going out there. Every time I go out there, I get hurt. Yes, because you're going out there without discernment. You're going out there without your signal clear. You're consuming yourself with things that are making it hard for you to see clear, so now you're in fear. You see what I'm saying? But if you clear the signal, you, have, you, you know, do you have a knowing? Oh, no, 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 I'm not the one. Oh, that's a connection right there. Like, you, you pick it up. Because there's connections all around you. God has been trying to send people in your life to make sure you get fulfilled. He knows the thoughts that he has towards you. And these thoughts are not evil, but to bring you an expected end. Jeremiah 29, 11. All right? All right, so let's go here. Uh, Luke 14. We're going to look at Luke 14. And I thought this is interesting because a lot of times you have the fearful people that... Uh, They're shielded from picking up divine connections. But then you have the fearful people that are overzealous. You know, you know, you know, ambitious, overzealous people, they don't trust nothing either. They got to manipulate and hustle their way and everything. Right. And so these people actually cheat themselves from divine connections. They have manufactured connections that as soon as a strong wind come in that relationship, it's going to blow the whole thing up. Or as soon as they're tested 
on what they manipulated themselves to, they fall. Because they didn't allow themselves to grow, like we talked about that tree, into what's theirs. Does that make sense? And so, so Luke 14 tries to warn us from being this overconfident, manipulative, zealous person and really trust God and wait on God to send us and to elevate us in the divine connections. So hopefully I gave you time to get to Luke 14. So Luke 14, starting at verse 8. And I'm going to read it out of the uh, classic amplified version. Right, just for some clarity. It says, uh, when you are invited by anyone to a marriage feast, do not recline on the chief seat. It says, in the place of honor. It says, lest a more distinguished person than you has been invited by him, and he who invited both you, both of you, will come to you and say, let this man have the, have the place. You have taken. Then with humiliation and a guilty sense of impropriety, you will begin to take the lowest place. So it's saying don't rush to to push yourself in a position. Allow yourself to be called up into a position. Right? When you're around divine connections and people that really are hearing from God, they're not insecure people. So they'll, they'll, they'll make sure you go through your process. Remember, they'll provoke you to love and to do good works. We, t- we read that scripture earlier, right? But not only that, they'll make sure you're in position to get the works done. That's why you want to be around divine connections. You want to be around the right people. You want to be around people that are not insecure, right? Because what they'll do, oh, oh no, 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 hold on, hold on. You're not supposed to be here. So we go to a, uh, we go to a Benny Hinn meeting. Uh, don't know what Benny Hinn's doing now, but at, at one time I thought he was one of the most anointed men of God in the world. Um, but so we were, how I worked out, I, I, I met a guy, see if I got time for this. All right, so at the, at the other church I used to do, um, I was over all the VIP seating. I pretty much was the point man for every con- conference. So a part of it was VIP seating. And we had it set up where we knew who was coming. Uh, they could register, and certain people had to sit certain places. And it, and it might have been Bishop such and such, such and such has to sit here. If he was connected to such and such, he had to sit here. And so what made it hard, though, is people knew they had a seat, so they would maybe register at the last minute. But if you got clout, you registered the last minute, you know they're going to put you a certain place, or I'm going to put you a certain place. So now you're making it hard for me because I'm like, okay, if such and such comes, I can't put him here because then I got to tell him I got to move him back, right? And so, so this guy comes in, he's never been at a, one of our conferences, uh, he was a part of Benny Hinn Ministries. He walks in the door, he says, uh, uh, I want an edge seat, right? Because people that are around the anointing understand that sometimes proximity, front row, Ed C, if a man of God is filled with the power of God, you're going to pick up something, right? And so these mature men of God always wanted to either sit in the aisle or sit in the front, right? And so he shows up. He says, uh, I, I like Ed C. And, and so I, I said on the outside, I'll see what I could do for you. But on the inside, I was like, oh, don't come like that. Like, because we ain't know him. 
And so, but once again, discernment. I, held, I felt the Holy Spirit said, give him an edge seat. Now, he, we didn't know him, so he, had a, he got an edge seat in the sixth row. All right, so then the pastor comes out, and he says, uh, Keith, what you doing here? Because the people were late. Now, he says it for everybody. Keith, Keith, what you doing here? Uh, fill up these seats. <laughs> I was like, man. So, so, so he said people can move up front. Well, so people just start moving. So when I sat down, when we sat down, we said we, our seats was in the front. That guy, he was sitting right next to me. <laughs> so I looked, I said, well, I, I feel you, <laughs> you know, you know, because it was available. So then I, I was thinking to myself, because I'm always thinking, even though I'm supposed to be paying attention to the service, I said, okay, next service, I ain't going to get caught out there like that. So if people are registered, they're going to have a seat. If they're not registered, they're going to have to get in where they fit in. But I'm not going to be the one that when the man of God comes out, the seats aren't filled right? So I started to change the seating chart. The Lord just told me to put that guy in the second row, the Ed seat. So I put him like right there, Ed seat, because um, all the other seats was taken. Even the seat he was sit- sitting in, that person showed up. And so he comes up to me later, comes up to us later. Again, we, I'm still talking about connections. Now, I don't know this guy. He comes up to me, he says, uh, me and my wife want to bless you. He says, you know, you, you, you blessed us by putting the seat. I said, oh, no, that's no problem. Don't worry about it. He said, no, no, we want to bless you. And so he, <laughs> so he says, uh, you got somebody around? He says, that guy with you was the guy that was helping me. I said, yeah. But he kept saying, he said, you got a car? We want to bless you. And he said, I said, well, what does this guy got to do? So he calls the guy over. So let's say I'm standing here. Now, this guy, we, nobody knows this guy. And he says, uh, the, okay. I'm trying to think of what went first. There was the tie first. All right, so so he said so he so him and his wife are going. Yeah, we want to bless you. He takes off his tie. I saw the tie. I was like, okay, if, if you think that's gonna bless you, that's fine. But I probably wouldn't buy that tie. But so he wraps the tie up. Him and his wife starts praying, and he throws the tie at me. I hit the floor. I kid you not. Now think about it. This is not stage because he doesn't know me. Nobody in the building knows him. Service is over. So it's not like, you know, he got an audience. I mean, first of all, he had to be bold to even do that. So I hit the floor. Then uh, I get up and I walk up by the chair and he walked over and he just breathed on me. He said, receive the gift of healing anointing. I was like, okay, what's going on here? Like, like, so I get up. So then he says, you got a car. So I go out. We had a cafe at the church, you know. So I go out. When I walked out the door, all of a sudden, it felt like something knocked me up against the wall. So I walk out, and I said, I said whoa. And so the people in the hallway like, Keith, you all right? I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. But it was like I was on something, right? I don't know this guy. So we developed a relationship. I, I you know, get his information. We talking from time to time. He just called me and started breaking down a word to me. And... um. I had a sense that I needed to get, uh, have a mountaintop experience. You know, the first time I, I started a basketball program, I spent eight hours in the house, in my sister-in-law's house. And so I told my wife, I said, babe, I just need to get away and just hear what's, what's about to happen here because I sense we're getting close to what God wants to do. She was like, okay, cool, no problem. She says, I'm going to a retreat. So, so we, uh, so I had never heard Benny Hinn uh, teach. I had read his book, Good Morning, Holy Spirit, and The Anointing, 
And, and I had said, if he ever came in town, I'm going to listen to him. Came in town plenty of times, but I was so busy serving, I couldn't see him. And so I heard him on TV. He was teaching. I, I seen him operate and heal him. I never heard him teach. He was teaching on the Holy Spirit. I said, you know, I think I want to go out of town, but I want to go someplace where I can sit under just a powerful man of God. All right, so the way it worked out, she wanted to go with me, even though I was supposed to be going on a mountaintop experience, you know. You know the wife, she's going to figure out a way. So, so we end up deciding to go to Pittsburgh. And I, I arranged everything. So this guy calls me up. He, said, he says, uh, oh, man of God, how you doing? I said, I'm doing great. He says, I want to invite you out to Benny Hinn meeting in Pittsburgh. I said, we're already going. He says, okay. He says, well, go there, get your seats. If I can find you a better seat, fine. It was a color-coded seating. So they had these stands, and whatever your color was on your badge, that's what you said. Our seat was all the way in the back. It was a convention center, way in the back of the convention center. So I just sat down. You know, now I haven't been in the back in a long time. I don't like being in the back. I, like, I don't want to get distracted. I want to be in the front so nobody's, I'm not looking at people. You know, I'm only looking at what's going on. So I'm way, we way in the back, and we talk to these people, and they go, uh, oh, yeah, uh, we were here when he met Catherine Coleman. I said, oh, man, we're in Pittsburgh. This is when Benny Hinn's whole life changed, right? They said, yeah, there's a church right around the corner. So after that, I saw people moving because I keep my head on a swivel. Now, I was an armor bearer. I'm always, I always got to see what's going on. I said, man, there's people moving. So I said, man, what's going on? She says, well, it's cold outside. People aren't showing up. We're moving people. So we got up, and we ended up in the sixth row, not on the edge, but on the end. So this lady comes up to us and says, um, excuse me, you guys want to come up front? Sure. So she moves us up front, convention center, this is the podium. They had seating over here, seating over here. So she moves us over here. So I said, babe, we ain't never been to many here, nothing. We already up front. Then the guy comes out. He's walking around up here. I'm sitting over here. He's on his phone. We see him. He gets on his phone and he calls me. He says, so where you at? I said, I'm up front. <laughs> So he turns around, he's walking out, he turns around, he says, well, come on. So he moves us to the second row, like right here. I said, babe, we ain't never been to Benny here nothing. We don't went from the back all the way to the second row, and the podium was like right here. I said, this is, I said, you know this is God. Then the guy comes out, starts talking to us, and he starts talking to us. He says, uh, he says come on, and he sits us up front. So now I said, we're in the front row. I said, nothing else has to happen today because I know God's moving, right? I'm still talking about connections. So the guy that has us up front, he comes out and he asks, he says, you remember that book I gave you? I said, no, you ain't give me a book because I don't be making, I'm not that guy. No, you ain't give me no book. So he starts talking to me about this prayer book. He said, tell you what, if I can, I'm going to get you up on the stage, right? And then he just goes and I'm like, what is he talking about up on the stage? Like, I'm not preaching. And, but then I saw, it was, uh, they had, no, no, I, I didn't know at this time. So praise and worship is going forth. This guy comes from here and goes, come on, you're going with me. Grabs me by my arm. So he takes me over here and he sits me, he says, sit with these guys, these pastors. I'll let you know when you're going up on the platform. So I'm sitting there and next thing you know, he grabs these pastors. I'm not a pastor at the time. I'm a minister. <laughs> and he sits us up. They have this seating where you sit, you know, Benny Hinn and 
his guy was sitting up here, and we were sitting here. And I, so, so it was Benny Hinn, his armor bearer, and me. I'm looking down at her, just like this. She's down there like that. She's looking at me like, what are you doing up there? And I'm looking at her like, I don't even know what's going on right now. But okay. And I'm up on this platform. So, so and I, too much of the story. But make a long story short, we ended up getting laid out that day. Vinny Hinn called me, called her up on the platform, and it never touched me. So, so, so. And, and, and listen, I'm the most skeptical person in the world. This wasn't nobody, nobody never touched, never put, laid one hand on me. He just said, waved his hand, received the gift of healing anointing. We hit the ground. We, they had two football guys that were supposed to catch us. They hit the ground. Like, I never got off the floor. I couldn't. Like, I couldn't. It's like, it's like you know how your feet's up and your arms like this? I was like this, stuck to the floor. Like, what's that, uh, what's that thing at the uh, King's Island where you get stuck? Was it the road or something? Where you get stuck to the wall? What is it? Yeah, yeah, that one, right? Where, where it, 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 the floor dropped and you stuck to the wall. I was stuck to the floor. Like, I tried to get up, but I couldn't get up. And she told me he laid her out again. By the time I got up, all the pastors was all over the place. The chairs had fell. Like, it was all types of stuff. Now, I'm saying that to say... It all started with one connection. It all started with, with, with discerning my responsibility to make sure somebody's supposed to be where they're supposed to be. So they made sure we were supposed to be where we're supposed to be. I skipped the fact that we went, they, we went to the back. Like, you know, so they had all these pastors. They had this special reception. We was, we're going back. And I'm like, so where are we going? He says, you about to meet the man. So I was like, and so we go back, all this, you know, I mean, it had uh, chocolate-covered shrimp. It was just, I was, I was like, I know that's probably not going to be important, but it was for me. <laughs> I like shrimp. Right, so, 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 so it, they had this whole thing in the back. But when we went back there, uh, this guy that leads the service, Steve Brock, he says, he says, uh, what do you say, are you a pastor? I said, I said uh, no, I'm a minister. So then he took a couple steps, he turned around, he says, well, you look like a pastor, so you are a pastor. Right? Is that right? Did I say that right? So then, you know, the lovely wife, we was walking, she says, well, you should have said not yet. <laughs> I was like, well, I didn't want to lie. So then we sat down, half hour later, Benny Hinn comes out, he goes by the table, he says, you were sitting up front, he's pointing to her. She says, yeah, he says, uh, I, I remember because there was a glow all over you, like there was an angel sitting there. Then he, then he comes to me. He says, uh, are you a pastor? And I said, not yet. <laughs> so, 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 so then he, he, he greeted everybody. He took a couple steps. He's talking. Then he turned around. He said, now that's interesting. Because the other guy next to me was a pastor. He says, that's interesting. I would have thought you was the pastor pointing to me, and he was a businessman. And then he went about his business. We went to that guy's church on Sunday. The guy that was sitting next to me, he really was more of a businessman than a pastor. The point I'm trying to make is divine connections. Like, like, like you never, like, like when you're in a right situation, people, nobody's thinking about, oh, 
the church, this, this church. Y'all already know the story. We didn't really have no money to get this church. Like, God supernaturally gave us the money to, to, to get the loan, but some other things had to happen. The pastor had to hear from God. He told him, make sure you sell to African-American. They was going to do outreach and make sure you're a blessing to them. They sold us the church for half price. Like 21 acres and a lake. So, so that person has to hear from God. And, and when he was trying to sell it to his friend, and he finally prayed, and everybody in the room said, the Bradleys. He said, I'm going to give you one or two names. Everybody, including him, everybody said the Bradleys. But you got to hear God, though. Everybody in that room had to hear God. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. And then half price? Like we owe $255,000 on this building. Our house costs more than that. You, 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 you understand what I'm saying about connections? Yeah, everything has to line up. I met a guy 15 years before this event happened. I'm going to close with this. I didn't went totally off of what I thought I was going to talk about. But when we came out here, I was, uh, she was at work. You know, every, every, every day I, was, I, would, I would drop her off. I would work on the Articles of Incorporation. I would work on the, uh, the uh, what is it, the uh, 501, the copyright, logos, whatever. I was just, just constantly working on stuff, praying for uh, and reading for like five hours, traveling all over here looking for if we're going to get a building. And so I talked to a friend of mine, you know, just somebody I mentored for years, and he says, uh, Oh, oh, so, so you, you're starting a church. He says, well, t- well, tell you what, as long as I'm in my profession, I'm going to tithe to your church. So, so, so we was in an apartment. So I'm walking in, and he's on the phone. He's talking to me. He said that. He says, he says I'm going to I can't do it now because I think I'm going to hurt my knees. But I dropped to my knees. I don't know how I didn't hurt him, but I dropped to my knees because I knew what the guy did for a profession. But I didn't know how that was going to look. And so, but that connection, because it was just me and her out here with $1,625. Nobody's tithing. Nobody knows you. Who's tithing to your church and they just met you? And we was at the apartment to start out, and then we had a dance studio. But how do you, how things, things got to function through tithe, right? So for a long time, I think we had like five we moved about like 10 tithers, six, seven, eight years, but, but this divine connection. Uh, sold $10,000 to us. That was how we got the dance studio. Sold $10,000. This is one only time this ever happened in my life. Put $10,000 in my bank account. After we had a conversation that we only had $300, $400, and we were saying we need 15 to start the church. And I said, well, you know, knowing God it'll be sooner. I didn't know it was going to be the next day. And this is what he said. He said, God, divine connections. He had to hear God. He said, I, got, I had this money. I didn't need it. It was, 
I'm looking at this, these checks on my, on my table. I'm good. I want for nothing. I asked God, what you want me to do with that? He said, God said, Keith needs that money, and he needs it right away. That's why he didn't send it. He called me and to put it in, my, put it in the bank account. And when he called, he, he texted me. He says, What's, what bank you bank with? Bank of America at the time. He says, well, what are you... Uh, What's your account number? I was counseling somebody. I answered them. And then I said, well, what did I just do? I just gave somebody my, my bank information. So I text him back. I said, just in case you're wondering, I am curious. He texts back one word, obedience. Then he texts me and said, let me know when you got it. I looked in the bank. I said, babe, you ain't going to believe this. He had deposited $10,000 in our bank account. That got us through the rest of the year. But what I'm saying is, like, he had to hear from God, too. Keith, the next day? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, so we're, we're, we're struggling, and God has divine connections. And, and, and divine connections are going to be obedient. They, they ain't thinking about themselves. They're doing what God told them to do. Because divine connections see your God's valuable property. Remember we talked about it last week? He told Paul, don't fear. I got much people in this city. You got to do something for me, and I have people here that are going to make sure you do it. When they were trying to get Paul, what did they do? They grabbed him up, and they let him down that wall, right? Paul didn't go, you know what? I got to get out of this. Maybe if I can find somebody, let me down the wall. No, he didn't know what was going to happen. God had people set up to make sure he got through. God has people set up to make sure you get to and get through. But you got to be in place. You, you, you see what I'm saying? You got to be in position. You got to be obedient. You got to do what God tells you to do. All right. That's all for today. I, there's some other stuff we're supposed to talk about. we talk about it next week. All right. Uh, any thoughts about what you heard, what stood out for you, what it make you think about, either online or in the house? If you're in the house, you can use the mic to share um, what it make you think about, what you get. Well, everybody has a thought. Do you care to share?